stone, big fella. You drunk, big fella. Two sips and now you want to trip, big fella. You not a drinker. I can see it all in your leg, big fella. You wobbly, big fella. You finna fall. Sit down, you drunk, big fella. So 10 time, it's, it's the third day in February, um, I have been sick for two of the three days in February, we'll get to that in a second. Um, as always, thanks to Chance the Rapper for doing the music, uh, welcome to On Willie's Mind, it's great to have you here. So a disclaimer before we get into the show, uh, Zach Kadish, who is a student at University of Washington St. Louis, uh, a very good academic institution, if you don't know much about that school, excellent academic school, actually. He's a really smart guy. It's always good talking to Zach. Um, so, disclaimer, it does get highly political because that was the nature of the interview. Uh, we recorded the interview Tuesday night uh, before I got sick. As you can hear, my voice sound a little, uh, little stuffy there. Um, everything stayed pretty relevant, however. Uh, nothing... Nothing's exploded as of 4.11 on Friday afternoon, so we're all good. Uh, so Monday, first podcast of the week, I told you I was going to have a lot of stuff coming out this week. Ended up two columns, three podcasts, uh, with a potential one coming Saturday or Sunday afternoon morning area. We'll see. Uh, I really wish I could have done more this week, but I had, I got sick. You know, you can hear it in the voice. I'm sorry, guys. I've let you down, I know. And the reason I feel bad is because it is Super Bowl week, and that's when, you know, it's fun to talk about a lot of stuff, but that's beside the point. So as usual, I'd like to bring you guys around to what I'm going to be watching this weekend. Hopefully you'll be watching some stuff, too. Um, First, we have Lakers. That's Los Angeles Lakers at the Boston Celtics tonight on ESPN at 8. Uh, as you know, if you read my blog, I'm a big fan of this series. Um, Isaiah Thomas is a heck of a player, and I think the Lakers are a team on the rise. Uh, keep your eyes on D'Angelo Russell for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. He actually went to the campus where I go to school now, the Ohio State University. Fun stuff there, guys. But the thing we're talking about this weekend is the Super Bowl 6:30 Sunday on Fox. Now, two storylines, Atlanta's never won one, and they're the hottest team in football. Kind of, I guess, they beat the hottest team in football, at least. Um, Atlanta, heck of an offense. New England, heck of an offense. But New England has an excellent defense. Um, my prediction as of now is 34-30 to 30 New England wins over Atlanta. Fun stuff there. My prediction is the Pats are going to get some sort of late score. Um, I'm going to try to get you guys a column out tomorrow, uh, maybe Sunday morning, maybe one each day, who knows. Uh, exciting weekend in sports, uh, keep your TVs tuned, keep your eyes on my blog if you want, I should have some stuff coming up, uh, who knows, you know how this goes at this point. Um, well, let's go talk to Zach. Coming on to the show now is a friend and one of the smartest political people I know. He's got the more political knowledge, actually, than a thousand Rick Perrys. From the University of Washington, St. Louis, Zach Kadish, welcome to the show. 
thank you very much for having me. Thank you for that uh, quite lofty introduction. Well, it's not it's, a thousand Rick Perry's is still relative, but it's a nice credit, I guess. So we were gonna do this last week, but I came down with some weird flu thing. That's beside the point. We talked earlier this week. We decided it was in the country's best interest that I got sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's definitely gonna make for a more interesting discussion. So let's start a lot with happened this weekend. Oh, and it continued today when Donald Trump did his best LeBron James impression, announcing that he was making his decision at eight o'clock tonight. He took his talents to Neil Gorsuch. What's your first reaction? You know, I, I watched the announcement. And I watched uh, Justice, I guess, Judge Gorsuch's, Gorsuch's speech, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. Didn't know that Donald Trump knew anybody that smart. Um, didn't know that he would actually nominate anyone with that much intelligence. Uh, but uh, listening to him and reading a little bit on his background as a liberal, I am not too pleased. Uh, I his views on uh, religious conservatism and uh, his decisions in, or rather, his dissents uh, in cases involving contraception. Uh, do not agree with me. Yeah, I definitely, definitely feel you there. My first take, however, is that he's not Steve Bannon, so he's got that going for him. He he does he he he's not a Nazi. I can give him that. Yeah, my big takeaway is, and I was watching. I had the the rare pleasure of watching Rick Santorum give his wonderful endorsement of Justice Gorsuch, but he Neil Gorsuch is very much in support of guns, and that worries me going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, I know that gun control is uh, a huge thing that uh, the, the liberal, uh, I guess, half currently of the bench uh, is concerned with. Uh, D.C. versus Heller uh, was a momentous decision, and I don't think that Gorsuch is going to be doing anything to uh, overturn that uh, or really expand uh, personal gun rights, because aside from saying that all regulations on guns and all personal forms of weaponry are illegal, uh, I don't think that there's really much more that the conservative one can do. But you'll definitely see uh, strong uh, gun ownership rights under uh, this court, should he be confirmed. Well, one of the things that, you know, he comes onto a bench that's kind of getting older and older as we go on mm-hmm. He's 49 years old, and he's the youngest person to be named to the bench in 25 years. You know, if Donald Trump gets another pick or two, what's this bench going to look like at the end of his term? This bench is going to look solidly conservative. Uh, if, let's say, Justice Ginsburg, uh, long may she reign, uh, unfortunately have to retire from the court, or uh, more unfortunately, if she... Uh, passes away while Trump is in office, then the two things that uh, will either happen or the court is going to make a sharp turn to the right or the Democrats are going to obstruct, obstruct, obstruct until a sufficiently liberal justice is nominated. And I, so he's now made a selection. It's the beginning of his term. Obviously, at the end of Barack Obama's term, he selects I want to say his name is Merrick Garland, but I always say his last name wrong. I think I got it right this time. No, you got it. You got it. Oh, good. It's going to be a good day then. Um, (laughs) 
What do you think Senate Democrats should do in the wake of Donald Trump's nomination? Do you think they should fight this like living hell or should they let this one go? Because, you know, we'll get to Jeff Sessions later, but they have bigger birds in a lot of regions right now. So you see that that's that's a tough that that's a tough issue because on the one hand, uh, the side of me that actually appreciates the role of government in society says let's work to make sure that government is able to be fully functioning. This is one of those steps. The other side of me, uh, the ruthless partisan that absolutely abhors the things that Trump, uh, and that is still incredibly peeved by uh, the lack of consideration in America, uh, says obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. If the Republicans want to use the nuclear option uh, and eliminate the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees, then they may do so. But um, I would I would support, I'll say this, I will support my senator doing what he can uh, to obstruct. And the thing I'm worried about is I feel like that nuclear option is going to happen. Um, I was doing my reading on I think I popped over to the Hill, which is always a nice place to start for the left. Mm-hmm. But um, there's just a lot of love for Gorsuch from the right. You know, it said, obviously we have Rick Santorum hopping on the bandwagon, but the name that popped out, and he's not a senator, obviously, but Paul Ryan is a really big fan. I just, yeah, I'm worried. Well, I think that Paul Ryan should concern himself with growing his spine before it concerns himself with <laughs> the Senate. Uh, that that aside, I think that another sign of how worried we should be is who's coming out to support him. I don't think that I want to be on the side of nearly anything uh, with Rick Santorum. Uh, so if that's who's coming out of the woodwork uh, to really give you a bunch of support, you might be reconsidering some of your priorities. So when I was doing my pre-research, I also found this little nugget, and this is just another step in the long line of Trump's questionable picks. It just seems to fit the bill. His mother was selected by Ronald Reagan to be the first woman to head the EPA. Now that pick Mm -hmm. came into hot water when she misappropriated $1.6 billion to a hazardous waste cleanup. Doesn't that just seem like a very Trump thing to have associated with even like this kind of easier pick? Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that, I, I, I don't think that's uh, Gorsuch's scandal. Oh, no, I, I just, you know, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right anymore. Uh, it's still Gorsuch. very fresh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> still, still a new feeling in my mouth. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, he should be given uh, personal consideration uh, and as long as he himself has maintained an upright record, uh, an upstanding record, uh, then I don't think that he should be obstructed on on those grounds. I think that uh, there should be delays. Merrick Garland went over, what, 300 days without having a hearing? So I think that that's the least that the Democrats can do. Pay yeah. the favor. You know. Because I, we're, we're, only, we're only 1,300 and 60-something days away from the next election. So the American people truly haven't given the chance to voice their opinion on this. Yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes, and I do agree. I just think it's interesting that his his mom 
would be involved in a Trump scandal because, or not Trump scandal, but a political scandal because it is a Trump pick. So it had to come in somewhere. Oh, but yeah, Gorsuch. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Aside from his clear and unprecedented conservatism, I mean, it could have gone. It really could have gone worse. Let's talk about something that couldn't have gone worse. Let's talk about this weekend's what I'm going to call the I Can't Believe It's Not a Muslim Ban, which is actually definitely a Muslim ban. <sighs> you know, you're not allowed to, Sean Spicer said that you're not allowed to use the word ban, so and then don't use, use the word ban. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to make him feel sad. It's yeah. going to make him feel bad. And also make him use the word ban? Yeah. Oh, boy. Use, use, use the word delay or travel obstruction. It's it's totally, totally not a ban, guys. Come on. Uh, how could it be? <laughs> All right, so the first thing that came up, and I got this in a direct message from someone we went to high school with. All I said in response was, thank you. He sent me the argument that the last five presidents, including Barack Obama, had some sort of executive order in their terms, barring people from the Middle Eastern countries um, or barring people from the Middle Eastern countries entering the United States. My argument right back has been they did not run on anti-Muslim rhetoric and they didn't block, was it seven countries? What do you, what yeah, do you say so, to those people? So here's the thing. There, there are a lot of people that are trying to be really clever uh, in digging up uh, these allegations uh, well, well, not allegations. It's true. Um, some restrictions were placed on these countries under the Obama administration, Bush administration, Clinton, first Bush administration. But what those travel bans did not do is that they did not affect permanent residents. Uh, they did not affect people that were already granted lawful entry. It was just a cessation of, all right, you know, these are places that we're concerned about. We're not going to let. Uh, we're not going to grant any more visas. Uh, so what, what happened this weekend was a whole new level of just absolute chaos when green card holders uh, were banned from entering the U.S. if they came from the countries uh, in question. Two people, actually, two people, uh, were coerced by the uh, CBP, something Border Patrol. Um, they were coerced into signing uh, these forms. That actually revoked their green cards, but a judge had to issue an injunction uh, against that, against those forms, and order the U.S. to actually bring them back because they were deported after they signed those forms. So what what happened this weekend with the executive order was absolutely disgusting. Um, it was un-American. It was quite frankly inhumane. Uh, there, there's a, a little twelve-year-old girl. Uh, right now, who's sitting in an airport. This is true. This isn't just me rhetorically making things up. There's a 12-year-old girl uh, who is not a permanent resident, but her parents are, and she can't get to the U.S. Uh, because she is from uh, one of the countries on the ban list. I, I, I really want to really ask uh, Paul Ryan, uh, who supports this ban, and Donald Trump, uh, what threat does this 12-year-old girl uh, pose to the U.S.? If you're really that scared of a 12-year-old girl entering this country, then maybe you shouldn't be in the business of governing it. You know, that, that's an excellent point. And another thing, you know, you mentioned, what is this 12-year-old girl's threat to the United States? The thing that did not get mentioned from the conservative viewpoint is that Barack Obama's executive order came 
in the wake, actually, I think it was a few days after the San Bernardino incident. And what that had mentioned was that there needs to be more vetting and they need to take a step back before that they didn't, you know, let more people in. And another big mm-hmm. part of it, just the way this went down, and you spoke a lot about it. I understand why Donald Trump didn't want to leave a window for the what he calls the quote-unquote bad guys to grab a quick plane. But I feel like making people with green cards feel super stranded and making students feel stranded is pretty deplorable, <laughs> to pick a word. <laughs> well, well, hang on. I'm, I'm going to just sort of... Uh push back and uh, if, if you'll let me uh, sort of just correct a, a small point on that. Uh, when, when, when Trump tweeted out that if he, uh, that, that if he announced the ban was going to happen in a week, that all the bad guys would hop on a plane and come over here, uh, that's false. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, a, a lie uh, because the, the process to get a visa United States or the process to apply for refugee status or the process to apply for a green card, basically any process to get into this country, if you're not on a list of preferred nations like countries in the EU, Britain, um, it's a difficult process. It's not something that you can just uh, go online, decide to buy a plane ticket and come over. Uh, you actually have to get a visa. You have to go through all, all these uh, all these checks to make sure that you're not a terrorist. So, yeah, he was lying. Which big shock. I know. I don't think, well, it might come to a surprise to some, but Donald Trump, he might be a liar. But I just, I can't get over this fact that you're on a plane and you're not doing anything. I mean, you're probably watching reruns of old Two and a Half Men episodes and you get off and you're detained. I travel is stressful enough. I just think it's ridiculous that you. Ugh, I let's move on to my next point because it just makes right. me sad. All uh, right. You, you, yeah, and you know, before, before we move on, I just want to agree. With, uh, there's nothing. I mean, I I don't think that there's any any worse feeling than uh, in midair. Uh, having your visa revoked and not knowing it until you land and are said you can't come in, uh, especially when you have family members waiting on the other side. So my, my heart has been going out to the refugee community, uh, the, the Muslim community that has been affected by this. Uh, and it's just been, it's been a rough ride for them. So two more angles on this topic, and I'll start with one that leads into the other. This is being denounced by a good amount of Senate Republicans, which is, Senate Republicans so far have been pretty forgiving to some of Trump's early decisions. They've been rolling with the punches. But Mitch McConnell came out and disagreed with Trump's decision, essentially. He's 11 days into his term now. How bad is this for the White House's relationship with Congress? That's a big question. Um, that's a good question. But uh, <laughs> See, I I don't think you know the the, the Senate has pushed back uh, what I would consider a minimal amount, um, and by that I mean you have a lot of these very gentle, not condemnations even, but just gentle. If if there if there's something lighter than a reprimand, then that's what it is. 
because you have senators saying, you know, like, totally, I totally agree with you. We need more vetting. We need more of this, more of that. You know, this might not be the best way to go about it, but I'm totally on your side. So the, the, these Republican senators that are uh, paying lip service to these massive protests, these huge displays of the public opinion, um, they're really not doing much to to, to bolster uh the relationship with the White House, because all they're doing is they're going to anger the American people, and they're going to anger Trump, and that's just going to put a whole lot more stress on our already weakening uh, system of checks and balances. Because once Trump decides, hey, the legislative branch is no longer really that much more useful to me, President Bannon is going to be able to figure out, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sure no, I think you had it right. You had it right. <laughs> I think that he's going to figure out a way to to get around the legislative branch eventually. So I guess this transitions nicely into my next Steve Bannon angle. Actually, it's more of a Jeff Sessions angle because Jeff Sessions has yet to be confirmed. His hearing has been delayed because his, well, not because necessarily, but his aide, Stephen Miller, uh, not from the Steve Miller band for those of you at home, Chalk this bad boy up with our good friend Steve Bannon. Uh, I mean, how could a Democrat even consider voting for Jeff Sessions at this point? Uh, if you're Senator Manchin and you have a seat in West Virginia, <laughs> aside from that, aside from that, I don't think that uh, you can unless you're eager to face a stringent primary challenge. Yeah, I mean, I think any Democrat at this point that votes in favor of Jeff Sessions is probably going to get a nice primary treatment come the end yeah, of their term. I, I also think that it's it's any Democrat that votes in favor of anything that Trump is advocating for is going to see a primary challenge. I mean, you would you would people absolutely dragging Senator Warren across Twitter after she voted in favor of Dr. For, uh, housing and urban development. So there, there is a whole lot of anger right now. And uh, the, the Democratic politicians need to get with the program. Uh, their activist base, their primary base, doesn't want cooperation. And no, they don't at all. They want, this is all about fight, fight, fight at this point. Well, not fight, fight, fight. Argue, argue, argue might be the better way to say it because they have guns and we don't want to get involved in fighting. Um, (laughs) so one of the things that's been thrown under the table, and this might not be a clean transition, but I think that's the way Trump would prefer it anyway. Donald Trump signed an executive order last week that is going to essentially kickstart the XL Keystone pipeline, which was thrown under the table quickly because that's the way he does things nowadays. He puts up one thing that horrifies people and just keeps stacking them until we forget and it just goes right under the table. But I think this is a really troubling start to the climate conversation under the Donald Trump presidency. You know, I think that it's really strange that his inauguration speech was all about America first, America first. But then the very first government contract that he approves is going to a Canadian company. Uh, So, you know, that's that's one promise already broken. Uh, But aside from that, the, the environmental concern... Uh, with the Keystone Pipeline, just should should prevent anyone from say, from saying, yeah, let's let's go ahead with this project. Uh, 
you're impeding on sacred lands to Native American tribes. You're going over water tables uh, with a pipeline that could either explode or leak into the water source. The argument against fossil fuels in general aside, this pipeline is just bad business. Well, yeah, but that's one of the things I'm starting to question is, do you think this is more of Donald Trump raising his middle finger and making a power move at the environmental science community and Native Americans? Or is this Trump trying to do a little bit of conservative business, you know, bumping elbows with McConnell and Ryan? It, it could be both. Uh, I think that I think that that move you would have seen if it were President Rubio or President Cruz. Uh, that move went, was not unique to Donald Trump. Uh, you know what? The thing that I keep looking at with this, it just seems like a really bad beginning. And I already mentioned it, and both of us have mentioned it. The climate conversation under this president is going to be appalling. And it all leads up to this thing that's definitely going to happen because it's just he doesn't, you know, rescind his promises, which we're learning very quickly. But I feel like this is a precursor to his decision to pull out of the Paris Climate Treaty. And that really scares me. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a terrible feeling that future generations are going to look back on 2016 uh, in this election and point to that time and say, hey, that's when we sort of uh, condemned our planet. Uh, pulling out of the Paris Treaty aside, uh, Trump's silencing of government organizations that report on climate change, putting a basically a gag order on the EPA, uh, putting a gag order on the USDA, all this stuff. Is just so concerning because people rely on the government for quality data, not just about climate, but about anything. Uh, employment statistics: how much uh, how much gas is costing on average? Uh, what what the the weather what, what weather patterns are like? And if you can't trust government data, so much of that so much so much of our system just starts to fall apart. So. There, there, there are concerns there too, not not just with uh, environmental science. Although that is a massive concern. And the thing I look at as a you know, protesting has been something that we've been trying to employ, but I don't know how much it's going to do. One spot that there was a lot of success, obviously, was at Standing Rock. Do you think they need to rekindle that fire? You know, to make sure this doesn't happen again. Or is yeah. this, okay. Well, well, yes, I, I do. I do think that protests are going to be necessary, and they're going to be incredibly important uh, for just showing Trump that the American people truly don't support his initiatives. Uh, so, whatever form, whatever form that protest takes, uh, whether that's another uh, basically camping out. Uh, or if it's going to take a more active March on Washington-style uh, protest, uh, it's completely necessary and justified. And one of the things that I'm hearing is that, you know, Donald Trump is seeing these protests, and it goes in conjunction with this thing that's in the back of his head. And this thing in the back of his head is that his approval rating, his failure to win the popular vote— I feel like a lot of the moves he's making right now are because he's afraid that he's not a legitimate president. Yeah. 
Um, you saw that with uh, his whole bizarre brouhaha over crowd sizes at his inauguration, which was one of the weirdest things that I've just seen coming out of a White House. I mean, I mean, I guess the only real experience that I have with stuff coming out of the White House is under Obama, but. It was just so, so bizarre to see Spicer argue about crowd sizes when he was just so demonstrably false. And I, I agree with you. I think that this president has some own personal issues with his legitimacy. I think that he's well aware that 60,000 votes in the right states would have swung the election for Clinton. So I don't know why he's taking these moves that are so unpopular, but he was the first president to reach... Uh, over 51, 50% uh, disapproval in the first two weeks in office. Congratulations to him, by the way. Uh, that's a record that's going to stand for a long time. Yeah, he's doing a hell of a job making a lot of people mad, and the people he's you don't want to make mad are the celebrities. And one of the weird dynamics I think is go- that's going on right now is we have the biggest voices in the country against... I guess, you know, maybe not the most power in the country, but he does have the most power in the country. You know, people didn't used to look at it that way. But with Donald Trump's executive orders, it's become the media, unfortunately for him, versus Donald Trump. And I think it's creating this really strange divide between which truth people are willing to believe. Do you think that's dangerous for the casual – just the media consumers in America? How dangerous can that be? Incredibly dangerous. I mean, no matter who you talk to now, everybody thinks that they're an expert because they watched their 30-second video clip on a subject on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, If you're talking with a real nut, InfoWars. But everyone thinks that they're entitled uh, to their own facts about what's really going on in the world. And that's simply not true. We 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 need to start somehow coercing people or coercing the media towards separating between objective reality and political uh, political opinion or political science because this situation is honestly untenable when you have people that can't even agree on whether or not climate change is real. Uh, it is, by the way. Um, sorry if that's a shock. <laughs> sorry if that's a shock to you. Uh, but the, the, these are these are basic things that we need for a democracy to function. So I, I don't know how to fix it. People much smarter than me, I hope, know how to fix it. Uh, but I don't have a plan. I just know that there needs to be a plan to change it. Well, it's going to be very hard to put together a plan when people are getting fed, quote-unquote, alternative facts from Kellyanne Conway and Sean Spicer. I mean – how unethical is this for the White House to go out and just lie their face off with each and every press briefing and each and every press appearance? You know, there there was a there was a time that the Republican Party used to uh, believe that a president shouldn't lie to the American public. Uh, I think that that time is now past. Uh, if you're a Republican or if you're a Republican politician, I really never want to hear the phrase "integrity in government." Uh, out of your mouth ever again. Um, I think that I, I just think that it's absolutely embarrassing that the White House feels like it can 
lie on so many levels to the American people and not be punished for it at all. It's it's really unfortunate. It's it's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> well, the White House is used to really bad because now we're putting a racist in the White House. We have Steve Bannon, who is now pushing on a daily basis mostly anti-American ideals. And I hate that Bannon's there, but mm-hmm. I hate to see what would happen if some – I don't even know where I'm going with this. How – can people understand that the Steve Bannon thing is a bad idea when all they get is Fox News and Breitbart News? Well, as, as to your first part of that, that question uh, about Steve Bannon, um, I, I don't know if there's a more succinct way to put this than he's a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and that's, 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 that's not just, that's, that's not just my, personal opinion that's informed based on him having just racist attitudes towards uh, East Asians. There was a story, I think, in the Washington Post uh, that talked about it, that discussed Trump saying, hey, you know, like, I want to make it easier for students to stay in the country because we want to keep all the talent in America. You'd think that's an objectively good thing. But then Bannon comes out and says, well, I don't know. Uh, three quarters of C- Silicon Valley CEOs are Asian, and then Trump said, "Well, I mean, is is that really a bad thing?" And Bannon replied, "Well, you know, we're more than a co- in an economy; we're a civic society." And then and then he, he sort of just trailed off. But what what is what does that mean? What does that mean that uh, we're 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 a civic society? Does that mean that only white people are allowed to participate in the society? Uh, clearly Bannon uh, believes something along those lines. Uh, and that, along with the fact that the, the statement on uh, Holocaust Memorial Day uh, didn't mention the six million Jews that died, uh, that's very concerning. It's concerning to me uh, as someone who's Jewish, and it's concerning to many, many Jewish groups. Uh, that the White House isn't going to be friendly to uh, minority communities of both color and religion in this country. As to your second part, uh, I don't know how someone who consumes Fox News and Breitbart News exclusively uh, is going to see Bannon in the White House as a bad thing. I don't know if that's possible for them to come to that conclusion, given their media sourcing. I think that the only way that it could happen is if Fox News decides to uh, turn against the Trump administration at some point because they think that he's going to cost Republicans their House majority. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, so I want to talk about two things. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of things that are going to define this presidency, (laughs) but two things that are going to define the first 100 days of this presidency. And the first thing I want to talk about is the narrative going on with the Affordable Care Act. You know... Mm -hmm. Midnight will end your chance to enroll. Uh, you'll have it for a year. That's beyond the point. People are going to hear this after midnight, I'd have to assume, if when they hear it. <laughs> um, I just – I feel like if Trump doesn't do the next step of whatever he wants to do with the Affordable Care Act right, there is absolutely no chance he wins support from A, Congress, because 
No, people from Republican districts even really like their health care. And mm-hmm. B, he's going to lose a lot of the support of Americans if he comes out with Trump care and it's worse than Obamacare. What can I don't I don't want to tell you they're asking you to do something positive for Trump, but is there any way <laughs> Trump can come out of this situation on top? Because I feel like he shot himself in the foot with this one. Well, I think he's shooting himself in the foot with a lot of issues. Uh, but, I mean, especially this one. The, the Republican congressional delegation uh, was put in a really tough spot with this because they they had free votes on whether or not to repeal Obamacare because they knew that under Obama it wasn't actually going to happen. But now, now they actually have to get down to the business of legislating and governing uh, and creating policy. Uh, they're in a tough spot. There are a lot of congressional Republicans uh, that had the screws turned on them uh, at town hall meetings back in their home districts because people were terrified that they'd lose their health insurance. So whatever plan they come out with, you're right, it has to be better than Obamacare. And if it's better than Obamacare, I'm not, I'm not going to say no to it just because it's proposed by Republicans. I genuinely think that people in America deserve some basic level of health care. Uh, so hopefully they're come up with something good. Uh, but if not, then they're in real trouble in 2018 and 2020. Well, the thing I think is interesting is what people are describing as quote-unquote Trump care just sounds like a worse version of Obamacare. But it's going to be better, quote-unquote, which probably means more expensive and also more government control on it, which I'd have to assume means more expensive. So I don't understand how this could possibly go well. Well, what's really funny is if you watch his interviews and if you read his tweets, his lack of breadth of vocabulary, just the, the few words that he's able to use really well, make it sound like he's going to propose something like universal health care. <laughs> um, which, I mean, hey, if he wants to do that, then I would support that. But I don't think that's actually going to happen. So... And the last thing before we go, let's talk about a promise Donald Trump made to the American people throughout his campaign trail, and that was that he is going to pick all the best people. We're mm-hmm. not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of cabinet members getting hot water early, and the one I keep mm-hmm. coming to over and over, she's kind of the symbol for all of this, Betsy DeVos, in all likelihood, after getting berated by Tim Kaine, getting berated by Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she is going to get a hearing, but is probably not going to get Secretary of Education. You know, you look down at some of the names. If he doesn't, if some of these people don't go through, what's that going to look like for the people that Donald Trump promised these people they were going to get? Well, I think that if some of these people don't go through, it's going to be a blessing uh, for the American people. Betsy DeVos is a billionaire. Republican donor who wants to gut public schools and install a regime of charter schools. Um, she has done so many things against public education in Michigan. Uh, she, pe- people, people in Detroit personally blame her for the state of their public schools because she has directed uh, the legislature to divert so much money from public education. So she's bad news. Tom Price who I believe is up to be the uh, secretary of something involving health. Uh, he is in hot water for potentially insider trading. <laughs> um, 
Steve Munchen, Munchen, however you pronounce his name, uh, is in hot water for foreclosing on veterans uh, during the housing crisis. So a lot of these people that Trump promised would be good uh, for the American people, uh, that would be good for your really aren't so. They're, they're, they're bad news. Well, you know that old, uh, that old quote, it was the worst of times, it was the worst of times. Zach Kadish, it was the best of times. Thank you for being on the show today. You were excellent. For all of you at home, you can follow Zach at ZachAttack6 at Z-A-K-Zach <laughs> on Twitter. Zach, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much, and don't blame me for that Twitter handle. I created it when I was like 14 or something. Oh, it's catchy, man. <laughs> All right, I'll catch you later, man. Thanks you so much. Or thank you so thank much. You. Well, it was great talking to Zach. Um, it's nice to have a, an educated conversation, a little political conversation if you catch my drift. Um, I do love talking about sports, and politics make me sad, but I think they're very important to talk about in today's climate. Uh, moving on, playing us out today is Boston with Northern Feeling. I'm feeling some Patriots in love, New England home of my grandparents and my mother. Uh, I'll be rooting for Pats because, you know, Mama Ray's a Boston boy. Uh, make sure you check out the On Lily's Mind blog at lilylutz.com. Follow me on Twitter at Lily underscore Lutz. Email the show if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns at, Lily's, at onlilysmind at gmail.com. Um, enjoy the Super Bowl and have a great rest of your weekend.